we've been in our series, Something to Believe in, um, for some weeks now, seven weeks. And then we, uh, we came to this week, Jay said, I'm going to be away, Pete, will you do it? And the topic is eternity. Right. <laughs> eternity. So, so we have a tricky, uh, we have a tricky time this morning. Um, some of you have already guessed the uh, first joke. Um, message about eternity, maybe it'll never end. You've got that one, haven't you? Message about, no, you have to hear all the sleep. Are you there? <laughs> oh, good. Uh, welcome. Good to see you all. Especially visitors. Okay. Good. Welcome. So eternity will never end. So you have, uh, you have your packed lunches, I hope. Yeah, you, you've, You've got your, your phones, you're, you're ready for, for ordering dinner. You know, it's going to be set for the long haul, right? You're set for the long haul. But bizarrely, my watch is broken too. So, <laughs> I don't want to tell you, but it's true. Bizarrely, my watch is broken too. So, who knows what God is up to this morning. All right, so eternity. I'm not a particular fan of Woody Allen, um, but he makes some good quotes. How about this one? Eternity is really long. Especially near the end. <laughs> you like that one? Yeah. Um, I have another one for this week as well, which has some bearing. The next one. Um, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Okay. Well, being a crazy Brit, um, with a likeness for alternative humor and, uh, and sci-fi, um, I'm going to go with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, you, some of you are fans, I know. Yeah, some of you are fans. Um, and there's a part, uh, I think it's uh, a restaurant at the end of the universe, there's a part where Marvin, the paranoid android, you know Marvin? No, some of you do. Um, he's been waiting there till the end of time for the others to arrive, and he says, uh, I have to get the character for this, hold on a moment. He says, the first 10 million years were the worst. And the second 10 million years, well, they were the worst too. And the third 10 million years, I didn't enjoy it at all. And after that, I went into a bit of a decline. <laughs> that was Marlin. So, so that's eternity. Um, our belief statement about eternity says something a bit different. So it says this. People were created to exist forever. We either exist eternally separated from God by sin, or in union with God, through forgiveness and salvation. To be, eternally, to be eternally separated from God is hell. To be eternally in union with him is eternal life. Heaven and hell are places of eternal existence. That's a pretty heavy statement, isn't it? We're going to try and unpack that a little bit, without scaring you too much, I hope. But that's a, that's a pretty uh, difficult statement to get through. So, eternity is probably not something you spend a lot of time thinking about. Most of us spend our time uh, in our lives, we're focused on things that are immediately around us, work, family, friends, money, food, email. Um, and we can't spend a whole load of our lives worrying about our future. Um, but it's important that we see the big picture. And what is revealed to us about our future can clearly affect the way that we live now. Further, our future 
may hold things that are incomprehensible, things that we cannot right now understand, that we will not understand in our current experience. Because we go by what we see, what we can touch, um, what we can comprehend. So I was going to start this morning by thinking about my friend the caterpillar. There he is. Isn't he a pretty guy? Um, what is life to the caterpillar? What is life to him, her, it? Actually, as far as I know, caterpillars have no sex. So maybe it's it. I don't know. Um, so can the caterpillar even conceive what life is going to be like in the future? So he's just focused on eating, eating, I think lots more eating, um, growing, and then sleeping. That's what he does. He eats, 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 he sleeps. Finally, he goes into a real deep sleep. Yeah? That's all of his existence. He sleeps and then he pupates. Okay? And then what happens? Well, out of that sleep comes something that is truly amazing. Out of that sleep, the butterfly. The reason I was thinking about that this morning is how different that is to the caterpillar's experience and how incomprehensible it is to the caterpillar to imagine that butterfly. I'm not sure if the caterpillar thinks, I have to tell you, but let's assume he does for a moment. Um, how is he going to comprehend the butterfly? Nothing in the caterpillar's existence could really allow him to conceive what the future has for him. His life is the leaf and the food. How, how can he comprehend what is going to happen? So hold on to that for a moment. I'm going to come back to that, but um, that's uh, an interesting picture for us to think about what is happening with us and, and with eternity. I know from my own experience, I have some friends here, you know, I can be a very intense and persistent and focused sort of a person, determined, single-minded type of, of guy, especially when I'm stressed. Um, head down, work, 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 get stuff done. Um, a pain to live with too. Fiona's not here, so we're safe. Good. Uh, sometimes a pain to live with. Don't bother me, I'm working. Um, you can ask her. Um, in an earlier session of my life, I spent uh, five years uh, in Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley managing a software development group. We were building chip testers. Not fish and chip testers, chip testers. Silicon chips for Intel. Um, it's a very stressful job, at least for me. And Intel, I think, is one of the most aggressive companies, corporations on the planet. Uh, head down, doing my best to survive for weeks at a time. Pressure was relentless. And I remember one day walking along and praying, and you're going to laugh, thanking God for the tops of the trees. Thanking God for the tops of the trees. It had been so long since I'd looked up. Really. I'm serious. I really did that. Um, it was like an epiphany to suddenly be able to look beyond the focus of let's survive, let's get this stuff done, to, oh, wow, when was the last time we looked up there? So focused on the now. You know, and I think when we're dealing with stress, 
one of the key things that we have to do is we have to get perspective. Perspective is one of the things we'll come back to this morning as we think about eternity. Sometimes it's good to ask, what is the worst that can happen if you're feeling stressed? What is the worst that can happen? I had a bad day at work. Did you get fired? Couldn't have been such a bad day then, could it? Um, sometimes we get so caught up in the now and we don't think about how the big picture is evolving. Um, sometimes with stress as well, um, as well as asking this question, that the worst thing is going to happen, it's, it's good just to share that, to get it out, to pray perhaps with, with uh, one of your friends, um, to get the eternal perspective, to try and build a bigger picture of what is really going on. Yeah, perspective. All right, the big picture. Um, perhaps you've got a reason to consider just how fragile life is. You know, the saying goes, death is but a heartbeat away. I don't want to be morbid, but it's right, isn't it? It's true. So our existence is very fragile, and we rush around, and we get to do stuff that we're so determined has to happen right now, but without seeing the big picture. So what is eternal? What is eternal? Well, we are. That's, uh, that's what we learn. We are. You can't take your clothes with you when you die, your shoes, your house, your savings, your TV programs, your PC, your car, your Facebook account. Uh, none of that, you know, no Facebook in heaven. Well, actually, I don't know if that's true or right. But I don't think there is. You can't take it with you. Um, your Xbox, your iPhone, your favorite place, you can't take them with you. What really lasts? You know, if you ponder on that point, what really lasts, what do you do? And those around you, those people around you, that impacts the value that you place on life. Um, what if we are now, what we experience now is just like the caterpillar stage before the glorious reading of the butterfly? Um, what if heaven is the real deal and not just the rest home for the dead? Yeah. We need to look more at the big picture. But we don't know much about it. Um, we don't know an awful lot about eternity. And uh, Solomon said this, he said, uh, God, he said, God has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. So how do you explain eternity to the butterfly? How do you explain Tie eternity to the caterpillar. How do you explain um, the butterfly to the caterpillar? What is beyond death? What happens at the end of time? Is there an end of time? It's like trying to explain uh, floating on the wings of the wind uh, to, the, to the caterpillar. So we're trying to we're trying to explain the unexplainable. Um, it's worse than quantum physics. <laughs> Worse than tensor calculus, I joked with Greg with, uh, you know, earlier that we could, uh, we could uh, 
maybe spend a bit of time on uh, on tensor calculus this morning. We get into the general theory of relativity, and then you know we'd all be here. Well, you'll all be asleep, then, won't you? Yes. Just not, not just the ones with white shirts on. I can only see one. Or two, maybe two. There you go. Who has read um, Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time? Anyone? It's a, it's a book uh, that he wrote to one of us. <laughs> it's a book um, that he wrote to try and explain some of the scientific theories of the day. Uh, it's a nice paradox, right? The A Brief History of Time. I love paradoxes, um, and there's a few about this topic of eternity. So let's do a brief history of time, Bible style. Let's try that. We have to start at the beginning. As Jay explained a couple of uh, weeks ago, the Bible is God's story, and we have to make sure we know those things that he wants us to know. He wasn't clear to us on time travel, subatomic physics, that kind of stuff, but... He was clear on some points, so that's what we're going to look at this morning. So starting from last week, do you remember this? I saved it. Remember this? Be a little bit careful here, I don't want to lose bits. Yeah? Jay's mirror from last week. He explained that this is what we are like. That we were made in the image of God, but... We're all messed up. I see you agree with that. <laughs> we're all messed up. Um, we're flawed. It's, it's not just the bad things we do, though there are those. Um, we're like a broken mirror. We don't reflect the image of God. How did Jay do this? He's clever. He managed to get blind you, didn't he? Yeah, I can't do it. It's not so good now anyway. It's not working too well. Um, so we were once in the image of God. You still see some of that image within us, but we are messed up. Not only are we messed up, but everything around us is messed up. So creation itself was at peace with itself. Um, it worked the way it was supposed to, but now it doesn't. Creation itself is broken. Disease, natural disasters, dogs that bark all day. That's all because of the fall. We're messed up. Everything around us is messed up too. So when we know that we're not what we could be, I'm finding pieces of mirror now, be careful. <laughs> we know we're, we're not what we, we should be. We could be. We are a fallen people. We are self-centered. We are not God-centered. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way what it says. It's what God says about us. The result of that was God expelled man in the beginning from his presence. The fellowship that man had with God was ended. He expelled him from the garden. And from that time our sin has been a barrier between us and God. We know in ourselves that we can't be perfect. We know we can't live up to God's standards. And the world around us also reflects that. You know, why do we need banks, um, guns, locks, police, prisons? Why are so many people in poverty and starving? The world is messed up. We are messed up. So we long for a, a perfect life in a perfect place, but 
we can't achieve it. We can't get there. We want to be closer to God, but we can't get there. Looking at um, looking through God's eyes, we're so far short of perfect that we're completely lost. I don't want to be too negative, but in God's eyes, we are a mess with a capital M. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one that does good, not even one. That's for Romans. Not a pretty picture, is it? It's not the mostly okay. It's completely negative. The sooner we get away from, I'm nearly good enough for God, I just need to try a bit harder, the better. Later in the chapter, the same chapter, Paul writes, all we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Who has sinned? All. And how is sin described? Falling short of the glory of God. I can be as good as my fellow, but compared to God? So, first lesson in our brief history of time. We were created to be with God forever, but we messed up. Eternity is not starting off well, is it? It gets worse. I'll tell you, it gets worse. Here's another verse from uh, Isaiah. <laughs> the cheering is because I always say Isaiah, and I'm working on my New Jersey accent. <laughs> All right. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Told you it gets worse. So we are separated from God. Our sin has created a chasm, chasm that we cannot cross. You were made to be with God and enjoy him, but you can't, because he can't look at you. That separation is shown in the Old Testament uh, in a number of ways. Uh, God chose for himself a people, the, the Jews, um, and they could not even be close to him. Maybe some of you remember the story of Uzzah who uh, touched the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of God dwelt, and he died. That was it. Uh, when they had the temple, only the high priest could enter the holiest part of the temple, and then only once a year, and never without the blood of sacrifice offered for himself and for the sins of the people. So God was clear that he was holy and that he was separate and that man could not be in his presence. In Romans we read, For the wages of sin is death. So we were not made to die and we will die, physical and spiritual death, as Jay noted last week. 
And I'm sorry I'm not finished with you yet because it gets worse. Um, the, the next verse uh, you'll see up there, we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So we're going to look later at uh, the account of judgment in Revelation. I'm going to read some of that to you. But we're going to judgment. So yes, dying is not the end, but the next step beyond is even more terrifying. Does that scare you? Scaring is not what I'm about this morning, but I need to be true to, to what uh, God has told us. So if you're feeling scared, hang in there because... There is another side to this. There is a solution. Second lesson in our brief history of time. We were created to be with God forever, but we messed up and now we face death and judgment. I'm going, I have to go fairly quickly here because uh, we don't have that much time together this morning, but where does that leave us? As man, we try several ways to get back to God. Excuse me, very good. Um, we try to cross the chasm, but you know they don't work. We try to do our best, but we're messed up. We are messed up. We go to church, but sorry, doesn't help. Um, we try to think our way to God. I think, therefore I am, I think. That's not the Rene Descartes version, that's the Moody Blues. Um, I think, therefore, I am. So of ourselves, we can't get across that chasm. We need help. We require, a, we require the power of God himself. So then there is an event that changes eternity, including our eternal future. And it's the event you see depicted before you. So this verse you'll know. If you don't know, um, probably need to, to learn it. Uh, we found out the other day you can go onto the city website, the city that we're using, and um, you can actually teach, tell it to teach you to memorize verses. You put them in and it uh, comes back and tests you until you get it right. I know you're all excited about that. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Another one. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word, this is Jesus speaking, and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. He has crossed over from death to life. So, third lesson in the brief history of time, Bible style. We were created to be with God forever, but we messed up and now we face death and judgment. But God has intervened and provided a way back through Jesus for all those who believe. Hallelujah.
didn't say hallelujah much, but after those first group of uh, news that I had to bring you, that's certainly an improvement. So, this is God's plan for us, the culmination of his story, but how does it affect eternity? Well, hopefully that's already evident. His promise, we've just read, is for eternal life for those who believe in him, and to not perish, to pass over from death to life. And eternal life lasts for eternity, right? That could be a very philosophical question. Maybe we can't answer that for now. Eternal life is what is promised for us. It is vital that we know this now and that we act on it. So this brings me to another difficult and and quite serious point. Much of the teaching we have about hell comes directly from the words of Jesus. Some uh, some of us as Christians would like to argue that there is no hell or that hell is not really a bad place or maybe people just go nowhere, but it's not what Jesus says. Jesus says if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands and two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. It says the same about our eyes. Better to have, not to have two eyes than to be thrown into the fire of hell. But Jesus stressed that it would be better for us to proceed through life with great loss than to end up in Gehenna. It's the uh, word for hell as a final destiny. There's another verse, another passage, another words of Jesus. This is how it will be at the end of the age, he says. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But Jesus did not pull punches in his teaching. He clearly acknowledged that there was a hell and he is persistent about it being a place of eternal torment. He mourns with you that this could be your end. That this could be the end of time for you. That some souls may be eternally separated from him in this way. But he has done and described to us what he has done to put that right in Jesus. In Revelation we get another picture um, but it's no better in its description of hell. It uh, does, however, include some other things that uh, we can learn about eternity and help us get a better understanding of judgment. So I'm going to spend the rest of our short time looking at uh, this uh, two passages in Revelation. Let's walk through those together. Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation, was uh, an account of the vision of John on the island of Patmos when he saw many things, and most of those things... Um, close to the end. This is what he says. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. Remember that reference to the book of life 
for a moment because I'm going to come back to that in a minute. I believe we are all going to be there at that time in that place. The place this passage predicts. Great or small, Christian or Jew, atheist or agnostic, we are all going to be there. And it says, the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's horrific. It's also incredible. At the final judgment, the book of life is open. And if your name is in that book, you are saved from the lake of fire. Otherwise. So, all of us need to think very seriously about that. Many of you have, I know. This is eternal life versus eternal hell. I don't want to dwell on it, but I can't hide from it. We can't hide from it. So, think carefully. Let's continue into the next chapter and see what John has at the end of his vision, because there is a good side. You won't see all this behind you, but I'm going to read here from uh, the passage that starts in Revelation 21 and verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men. And he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old, the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Wow. What an incredible hope and eternal destiny we have with God in Christ. Further in the same passage we read, Nothing impure will ever enter it, the city, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb here is, of course, Christ. The book of life is his. Your eternal destiny is with him. Jesus is the way, 
to bridge the chasm back to God and to an eternity with God in his new heaven and his new earth. The job is done. What an incredible, incredible eternity that would be. We can't understand really what that means. We can't understand what being in that place would be like. I, I'm back to my butterfly. I don't think the caterpillar can understand. But we can know that that is going to happen because God has made that clear to us. He decided that that was something that we had to know. And now we do. It's going to be like the garden that we were in at the beginning, but better. It's going to be better. And it's not only for us, it's the culmination of creation. Remember we talked about earlier that the creation itself is broken. Well, Paul says in Romans, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Oh, maybe I can translate, um, paraphrase, for the butterflies to be revealed. The creation waits in eager expectation that something wonderful and new is going to happen that repairs what is around us right now. One day it's going to happen. So the final lesson in a brief history of time. We were created to be with God forever, but we messed up. And now we face death and judgment. But God has intervened and provided a way through Jesus, a way back through Jesus for all those who believe. And the end is better than the beginning. The end is better than the beginning. I don't pretend to understand all this. Um, there are many difficult questions, and I'm clear that I can't answer many of those. And I don't believe Jay will be able to either, and that's the way it is. But God intended us to grasp some basic truth, these basic truths. And that's important for us, because it's important for our eternity. We are eternal beings, and our eternity would be horrible without Jesus. If we believe in Jesus and trust and rely on him, we receive eternal life. If not, our eternity remains horrible. And that promise and that hope, well, that changes everything. That changes everything. Knowing that we have an eternal future changes the now. We cannot live our lives as if eternity doesn't exist. And looking at the big picture, as we talked about before, what of what we have today has eternal significance? Well, I am convinced that there is nothing more important than people, than you, than me, because we are eternal. When you help someone, when you help them find God especially, you are making a change for eternity. Investing in your time in people is investing in eternity. What we do in and for others affects eternity. Okay, we don't have to carry on looking at me, but we also have um, a video. We have let's see what uh, another perspective on this from uh, from Ted. The idea of 
eternity in my life. Um, there's been a lot of changes in my life, having a perspective of eternity. Uh, one of the aspects that I'm looking at all the time is that I can have eternity by simply having an eternal moment. Uh, in a life with Christ, those things happened many, many times, and some of them seemed totally insignificant, but were life-changing to me. Like when I dropped a piano on my foot, and I was working with a youth group at the time, and I was really practicing not to say certain words. And in this instance, I didn't say those words, and what flashed into my head was, oh, this must be a sampling, a teeny sampling of what Christ went through in his crucifixion. That was like totally bizarre because that's not natural. That to me, whether you can relate to it or not, is an eternal moment for me. I enjoy my eternal moments because they affect other people. Um, it affected the kids that I was working with back when I was working with Pioneer Clubs because yeah, my language changed, but it also gave me this, what I can't explain, a connectivity with Christ. Um, there's so many things that I can see on an eternal basis that have changed me because the way my perception is that everyone is going to meet God. Everybody is going to understand and know his love. And if you've ever had love ripped out of you, tragedy or worse, meaning a deception or something like that go on in your life. That love, or the loss of that love, hurts more than anything. And to have a perfect love lost, the eternal love of Christ lost to you, that's worse than any fire and brimstone could possibly be. So it's, it's the love of eternity that means everything to me and has changed my life. Wow, that's a good thing to focus on, isn't it, is the, the love of God reaching out to us. But that love is why he sent Jesus. The love is the reason for Jesus. And that love is what draws him to want to be, to want to have us for eternity, to be in an eternal relationship with him. He offers us eternal life. So if you have any doubt about where your eternity lies, please think carefully. Don't leave today without sorting that out. It's important that you eat, it's important that you sleep, it's important that you live, but nothing as important as sorting out where your eternal destiny goes. Jesus said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. So let's just go back to our statement again that we started from at the beginning. People were created to exist forever. We will either exist eternally separated from God by sin or in union with God through forgiveness and salvation. To be eternally separated from God is hell. To be eternally in union with him is eternal life. And heaven and hell are places of eternal existence. So let's pray now. We pray together. And as we pray, I want each of you to 
ponder for a moment. Are you confident? Are you confident of your eternity? Is it secure? Do you want to spend it with God? I know I do. Will you spend it with God? There's no more important question than that. And if God is prodding you on that point today, then pray with me. If you're not confident that uh, your name is written in that Lamb's Book of Life, then come pray with me. I'm going to be at the front after we've finished and uh, we'll be having our response time, but uh, if you need to pray, I'll be available. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the eternity that you have secured for us. We understand the love that started with us in the beginning and that reached out to us that you wanted to be with us and we understand that we've messed up. But Lord, we also understand that through your son Jesus you have made a way back to you and that you've made a way for our eternity to be in that holy city, for us to be with you forever, for us to know that place where you are dwelling with men. Oh, we just can't praise you enough, Lord, for what you have prepared for us. Lord, we ask as uh, we continue that uh, you enable us to respond to your voice, to take action, Lord, on what you are teaching us, to put our trust clearly in you, and to know even now, today, the beginning of eternal life with you. Thank you, Lord.